Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Fruitful Vine podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm here with my pastor, Pastor Urshan. Pastor Urshan, you enjoying today? I am. Yeah. Blessing of the Lord is uh, wonderful. Yeah. And His uh, mercies are new every morning. They are. It's it's a beautiful fall day here in uh, in Cincinnati. We're going to kind of pick right up where, where we left off last time talking about the word uh, and the words. But I do have a quick question before we dive back into our topic. Um, I was just in Colorado last yes. week, uh, got to see maybe one of God's best creations, the Aspens. Oh, yes. When they hit full uh, peak golden, uh, such a rich yellow color. Got to be out there with uh, my family who's from, from Florida, my, my wife's family who's from Florida. Yeah. Just spent some good time with them. And I don't know if there's a better fall color scene than like a golden mountainside in Colorado. But I'll ask you, I'll ask you, you your opinion. Uh, we love fall, we love colors. Uh, we get some get some nice colors in the trees around here in Southwest Ohio. Yeah. Do you have like a favorite fall spot or favorite uh, yeah, well, colors and trees? Where's the best place you've ever spent a fall? You know, it's it's hard to beat what you just described, yeah. you know, in, in Colorado. Um, but I tell you, I have a, I have a very specific kind of memory of fall and fall is probably my favorite season okay it's the the summer has ended and um winter is is coming there's a sentimental connection to that that kind of that season and it is just so um nostalgic and uh that crisp air and so forth but i, I remember traveling into uh the Appalachian Mountains okay. one, one fall. This was, I was young, but I was preaching a revival in Jaeger, West Virginia. Not to be confused with Jaeger, West Virginia. Okay. There are two Jaegers. One is uh, Y, I think it's Y-E-A or Y-A-E, and one is I-A-E. Uh, both pronounced Jaeger. It's important so, you type it in correctly. Yes. Study of words is so important here. <laughs> yes. So I was in Jaeger, West Virginia, not Jaeger, West Virginia. No, 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 no. Yes. So, but when you get to, I think, the Beckley, West Virginia area. Yeah, Beckley. You go south. Yeah. And when you, when you begin to descend down those mountains, it's almost like you're driving on a giant corkscrew. I mean, yeah. you're just, you are just... Um, or uh, you're just spiraling down into the um, into the mountains, and it was in the middle of October, so the trees were just magnificent, and all of the explosion of of fall colors. Uh, I, I remember that there was a it was a crisp, cool uh, air. We had a great revival, uh, ate good food. Uh, and those and and we were so far down that the sun actually set earlier in the day. Yeah, because it that we we were looking up at the at the mountains. That's called a holler. Yeah, that down was a holler. <laughs> that was a holler down in the holler. And it was special. And they treated us with such kindness, and we we just loved being there with the people of God there. And um, it was just it was a that 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 memory comes back to me yeah. uh, when I think about fall. You're just on the cusp of Christmas. Yeah. And uh, there's a sense of like anticipation in the fall. Yes. The holidays are approaching, but they're not here. And... That's right. And it is, so, yeah, that, that I would say to me, 
anything mountainous. Yeah. Anything that has a lot of trees, clearly. Yeah. And and then just a drive winding through those those trees. Something special about it. And yeah. and the, the the idea of seasons. Yeah. The idea of seasons is so so biblical. And uh, of course, I see the the gospel and the seasons. Well, you know, you see the yeah. as the as the fall comes, you're looking kind of at the death. As the winter comes, you're looking at the burial. Mm-hmm. As spring comes, you're looking at the resurrection. Yeah. As summer comes, you're looking at the life. Yeah. And as fall comes, you're looking at the death, yeah. the burial, the resurrection, the I life. On and on it goes. Yeah. So there's something. It's just a special time. Yeah. My 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 family is in uh, North Carolina, close to your family. And that Blue Ridge Parkway mm-hmm. area, you, you hit some of that, you know, Virginia, West Virginia area. It's just gorgeous time. Yes. I believe, and maybe someone can can correct me in the comments, that when you see the colors changing in the leaves, what's actually happening is the life is kind of withdrawing from yes. the leaves. Right. And so when the life, here we go. Yeah. When the life draws out of the leaf, yeah. the thing that we call so beautiful is actually the death yeah. of that. Of right. that leaf, it's starting to reserve the life, right? Right. And uh, the color coming into the tree is actually the life coming out of the right, coming out of the leaf. We right. think it's beautiful, yeah, but it's a it's it's the but, death but season, de- yeah. It's a death season, and and the same can be said of the cross. Yeah, it, it was such a beautiful moment, but it was it was the death season, yeah. and it was it. But what it represented yeah. was so beautiful. Yeah, take time to just look around. Yeah, and do what the psalmist did, and uh, look at nature. And yes, just see the Consider Lord in the everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Amen. Well, as we uh, we're going to kind of pick up where we left off. I love talking about falls. So I'm sorry about that. Uh, as we're going to kind of pick back up where we left off uh, last week, uh, talking about words and the mm-hmm. study of words. There is a word um, that you've been studying recently, uh, and we we use it. Um, I won't say in the wrong sense, but we throw it around a lot in church. Uh, and um, it's not maybe actually um, physically the correct word, but we throw around the word heart mm-hmm. uh, a lot. Yeah. Um, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, and the heart is actually, uh, you know, this this blood-pumping organ. Yeah. Um, so there's, it's a word we use, and it's where our feelings or our thoughts yeah. Uh, come from, but maybe it's not the actual right physical word. But when we start thinking about uh, the heart and the studying of the heart, I know you've been uh, really diving into into the heart lately. Yeah. So as we kind of kick off into this discussion about the heart of things, would you tell us kind of where that that study came yeah. from? But you know, um, it's been something that's fascinated me for years, of course. But <clears throat> but I was studying recently, and I, I think we. When we were last, uh, our last episode, we talked about studying devotionally. Mm-hmm. And so in a devotional study, I was just reading about the righteous kings and the wicked kings. Those, those who, the ones who really intrigued me were those uh, who started out so strong, but, but had a, a very uh, pronounced failing. And... Without exception, something happened to their heart. Mm. Um, you know, for instance, King Solomon, when, when Jesus tried to describe that that uh, about wisdom, and he said that the Queen of the South came from the uttermost parts of the earth to inquire of Solomon, and 
he said, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. When he thinks of, he chose Solomon as kind of that penultimate uh, figure yeah. that represents wisdom. And that is, of course, true. Solomon was given wisdom by God because he prayed for wisdom and God gave it to him. Um, but there's this tragedy in the life of Solomon in that as wise as he was and as great of a work that he did, and, and of course he gave us the book of Proverbs, he, the Song of Solomon is so messianic in its, in its composition, um, and of course the ecclesiastical writings of Solomon. This magnificent, powerful, prophetic, poetic king has this tragic conclusion to his life. And, and the Bible says that it was his wives, they, they turned his heart away from the Lord to serve other gods. And if, you, if, if his heart never shifts, then, then that doesn't happen. And same with Uzziah. Uzziah, it was, it was Isaiah who said, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord also saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. <clears throat> but Uzziah was this great king who did many wonderful things for Israel. Um, he expanded their, their defense systems. He, he expanded their infrastructure. Their economy was booming. The Bible says that he developed engines, so, so he was an engineer. Mm-hmm. He was this remarkably talented, gifted and godly king. And the Bible says that he was marvelously helped until he was strong. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up. And he was lifted up to his destruction. And, and so throughout the scriptures, it's, it's when the heart gets off kilter that, that things begin to change in a person's life, even those who had dedicated themselves to God. So the Bible talks about guarding your heart, and it says to keep your heart because from it are the issues of life. And, and that's so vitally important for us to understand. But, but the heart really is the seat of, of feeling. And, yeah. and we've talked about how that it, it's, the, it's where if a man, as a man thinks in his heart, the scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So it's, it's where your thoughts are, they kind of travel, and it's where you develop your feelings. Mm-hmm. And feelings, we, we know that feelings are not to be confused with reality, because you can feel something that isn't, isn't reality, isn't true. Yeah. But feelings are powerful. Yeah. Feelings are very powerful, and feelings can provide direction whether you want them to or not. Yeah, that's why Jacob put on that goat skin. Mm-hmm. He knew a feeling could change everything. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it is a, when you feel something, man, it's, it, it's hard to go against that feeling. Yeah. It, it's, this, it's this strong surge of, it's this strong surge of, um, of conviction about a thing. And you have to be able to, to have the right kinds of feelings. Uh, Jeremiah said it this way. He said, the heart is deceitful above all things, and it is desperately wicked. 
deceitful above all things. That means yeah. that your heart is more deceitful than the serpent was the most subtle beast in the field. The serpent in the garden. That strong is, language. That's strong language. Yeah. It's the most subtle beast in the field, and yet your heart is more deceitful than that serpent was subtle. And if a person feels something that is not true, that it can completely throw them off course, and that happens all the time. So this is why we are in constant combat against f- feelings of envy, feelings of lust, feelings of, yeah. of uh, resentment, bitterness, um, feelings of, of entitlement. Um, we're, we're constantly trying to wage a war in our own spirit against those things because if they ever take root, man, they're just going to corrupt so much. So this is what really got me started on this uh, recently. You know, the Lord gave me a message years ago, uh, 26 or 7 years ago. I know I'm only 25 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before you were formed in Before your mother's womb. The yeah. Lord gave me this word. Yeah. And it was just this, this idea of Saul and David that really impacted me. I, yeah. I noticed uh, just this whole... Uh, challenge, this battle that Saul had toward David. It really was one-sided. Saul was envious of David. And the Lord rejects Saul, and he he exalts David. And what we know of David, the Bible says, David was a man after God's own heart. David said, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. David, when he did fall and and struggle... Uh, and, and commit terrible sin, uh, his response to it was, Lord, create in me a clean heart. He knew it has to, it's got, I got to get my heart right. And, uh, and so David was all about, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart yeah. be acceptable in thy sight. But, but concerning Saul, the Bible says that from his shoulders and upward, he was higher than, higher than any of the people. Mm-hmm. And, and it just stood out to me that it, it was from his shoulders and upward that he was higher, eliminating the heart, yeah. the physical heart, which, as you mentioned a moment ago, we, we use that to describe this physical organ, which is really a cardiovascular organ. That's the medical uh, term. Yeah. But, but the nickname for that organ is the heart. And, and really the reason that it's the heart is because it was accepted that the scriptural definition of the word heart, as it relates to the whole being of man, all that, all that, 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 that has to do with, with a human being, the heart is the center of it all. Yeah. And, and what you really deeply, truly feel about something is, is, is going to drive how you live and how you, how, you, uh, how you conduct yourself. So when you're looking at this physical organ, it's easy to call that the heart because it is to the natural body yeah. what this spiritual, scriptural defined, scripturally defined uh, reality of the heart, that's what this cardiovascular organ is to the, uh, to the natural body. Yeah. So... It, there was just an interesting little view that Saul had it from the shoulders and upward, but it wasn't in the center of his being. Mm. David was different. 
David was a man after God's own heart, which, which actually what that's saying is that David felt about things the way God feels about things. David had his, his right uh, motives and his right beliefs. They, they, they were in line with God. Yeah. And, and that, that appeals to God. God can trust somebody who's in agreement with him. And and that's really what that's really what happens when your heart is in the right place. Your when your heart is in the right place, you're in agreement with God, and you have to really be in agreement with Him. You know, we have this uh, scripture that tells us that it's possible that people can praise Him with their lips, serve Him with their lips, but their heart be far from Him. Right. And so th- that's a real uh, problem, and Jesus would call that hypocrisy. And he would rebuke the Pharisees for being hypocrites when the mouth is saying something, but the heart is not. That, that's such an antithesis to nature because what nature is, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. That's the way it's supposed to work. Right. And it will work that way eventually. You know, it might be on a hot mic, yeah. but, but eventually somebody will expose their true feelings about something. Yeah. Because it'll be in their heart. And so it, this is so vitally important that we have our heart right with God. And that, this is what really the crux of it all mm-hmm. for me, that when God says, I want to write my law upon their hearts, man, that's everything right there. Yeah. Because on Mount Sinai, he writes his law upon tablets of stone. He gives Moses... Um, Ten Commandments, they're on tablets of stone. And Moses comes down from the mountain, and he sees the debauchery of the children of Israel, their worship of the golden calves, golden calf, and he is enraged. And while holding the cap- tablets of stone in his hand, he dashes them to the ground. So, you know, I, I like to say Moses broke all Ten Commandments at the same time. Yeah. Kind of hard to do, but he did it. He did broke it. Every one of them all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Why? How did that happen? Well, because he was holding it with his hands. Yeah. And when we stand on the outside of God's law and read it on tablets of stone mm. and just try to do what it says, well, you'll break it every time. Absolutely. Because you're holding it in your hands. But God called Moses back up into the mountain and said, now I want you to, we're going we're gonna to get these same commands back into stone, but I don't want you to hold them into your hands anymore. I want you to put them in the Ark of the Covenant. And then he gave him, of course, he had given him the dimensions of the Ark of the Covenant. But him putting in the Ark of the Covenant is an Old Testament way of us putting it in our hearts. Yeah. You know, the, the, the Feast of Pentecost is a celebration of when Moses received that law. And when that Feast of Pentecost was fully come, that day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting, and they were all filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, when it was fulfilled, yeah. that was when God took the law, and it wasn't just on tablets of stone anymore, but he wrote it upon their hearts. And that's where God wants his law to be. He wants it to be in your heart. Yeah. He wants it to be on our hearts. 
what does that mean? What do you mean when you say God put his law in our hearts? He wants it to be what you feel. Yeah. So we, a lot of times, will say, hey, worship God regardless of what you feel like. Yeah. Praise him when you don't feel like praising him. Serve him when you don't feel like serving him. And that's true. That's good. And that, and that makes, for, makes for good uh, belief and preaching and teaching and so forth. But honestly, it's kind of a stopgap measure. It's not sustainable. At some point, it's going to have to, it's going to have to get into your heart, and it's going to have to be what you feel to do. Yeah. And 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 God wants to take you from being a person who's just doing it because you know you should, to being that person who loves His law. Mm-hmm. Great peace have they that love Thy law, and nothing shall offend them. So when you get to that point where you love the law of God and it is your heart's desire to love, you know, thou shalt not kill is the bare minimum. Yeah. What the law is really saying is love. The bare minimum is thou shalt not kill. Right. The fact that you didn't strangle them is, I mean, I'm glad you didn't, but yeah. that's not the celebration factor. It's it's the celebration factors when you Love them. Yeah. And so, so that's what God wants. He wants the law to be in our hearts to where you're not having to check every day to, to find out, well, uh, what, what can I not do today? What, what, are the, what are the things that are off limits? No, no, that, 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 there, there's a time for that when you're learning about God, but, but he wants you to graduate into, it is my heart's joy to love God, to love my neighbor as myself, to to not just not defraud my neighbor, but to bless my neighbor. Yeah. Not just to, you know, I thank God you didn't dine and dash. <laughs> yeah. You know? But better than not dining and dashing is leave a generous gratuity yeah. and be a blessing to somebody. And and go the extra mile, not the bare minimum. When his law is written in our hearts, mm-hmm. there's something so special about that. You know, when, when uh, Israel would not come up to the mountain with Moses, yeah. Moses was so excited to take them there because he had been there. And, and they wouldn't go. So he says, God, they won't come up to the mountain with me. And God says, well, then I'll give you the law, and then you give them the law. And that's what it had to be because they right. wouldn't have a personal relationship with God. But what that does is it it creates this problem where it creates a situation where a person is receiving the law of God via a, a, a mediator, if you please, or, right. or via a, a stand between. Well, Moses wasn't supposed to be the mediator. Jesus Christ, there's one God and there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Yeah. The ideal of God is not for a human being to have to get the law and then present the law to us. The ideal of God is for you and I to stand in his presence and be filled with his spirit, washed in his blood. Let his law be upon our hearts. And then it's our desire to serve the Lord. And that's what he will do when he shall give you the desires of your heart. If you delight yourself in the Lord, he shall give you the desires of your heart. That's not him saying, delight yourself in the Lord and I'll give you a, a, yeah. a Bentley. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. Yeah. 
No, that's him saying, delight yourself in me, and I will cause your heart to desire the things that I want your heart to desire. And he says this through Jeremiah, I know the thoughts I think toward you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end, to bless you. And that's that's what he wanted to do when he wants to emblazon the law upon your heart. He wants to put it in your heart. It's that heart of stone that he said he would remove from us and give us that heart of flesh, that stone, that stone tablet. That's right. That we just got to try to keep keeping. That's right. And he said, I'm going to take that from you and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. And then I can just mold and shape and impress. And it's not this this hard thing that you got to... Well, keep to, and you know that's exactly right. And that—that's when we're talking about Pharaoh, for instance. It, it coined the the term was coined. Uh, he hardened the heart of Pharaoh, mm-hmm. and the hardened heart is the heart that is broken, and it it mends but not properly. Right. So it is it's broken, and the mending happens improperly. So now it is replaced where the breakage was. Now there's scar tissue. It's hard. The tender heart is also a broken heart, but it's a broken heart that was healed properly. It was set. It was set. And so the tender heart is a heart that, yeah, it was broken, but it healed properly. So the the hardened heart that didn't heal properly, if you you touch on the part that was broken, there's no feeling because it's hard. Mm. It's hard and it's scar tissue. It can't feel. But the tender heart, it's still a little, there's still a little something there that you feel. And that's the thing God lets stay with you after your heart has been broken and he has healed you. He'll let a part of your heart still be tender to the touch so that you can weep with those who weep. Yeah. Tenderhearted one toward another. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's and that's a beautiful thing. That's what allows you to have compassion on others and to 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 forgive. And to release people from their death because you've been broken, you've been healed, and now there's a tenderness mm-hmm. where once a, a break had occurred. Yeah, he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Exactly. He felt what we felt. He was moved with compassion. Yes. Yeah. What great love. Oh, what manner of love had the Father bestowed upon us. My goodness. That we should be called the sons of God. It is so much easier to, to live and walk in the Spirit and to know what to do than it is to to not live and walk in the spirit and get to a situation where you wonder, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know how I'm supposed to react. Let me go check the law yeah. and see what it says. Let me run back here and there's 613 Old Testament laws I got to go check. Right. It's just, it's so much easier of a life. That's right. When you live and walk in the spirit and, and you keep those, right. you keep those commandments. You don't have to wonder what to do. He'll, he'll put it on your heart and you'll know what to do. That's the spirit. Yeah. animating you and living yes. through you in that yes. moment. Yeah. The letter kills the flesh, and the Spirit makes new life to emerge. And when you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Yeah. It's, it's so powerful. I, I know we may encourage you to do the same thing week after week, but it's, it's because it's the right thing to do. That's right. Get in His presence. Let His presence get in you. Yes. Get in His Word. Let His Word get in you and... and let him write his word on the tablets of your heart. That's that's what the psalmist said to do. Let him let him write the words on the tablet of your heart. Let him fulfill your life. We love you. 
We're praying for you. We pray God's blessings over you today in the name of Jesus Christ. 